Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the second book of Kings. The high priest Hilkiah informed the scribe Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Then the scribe Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your servants have smelted down the metals available in the temple and have consigned them to the master workmen in the temple of the Lord. The scribe Shaphan also informed the king that the priest Hilkiah had given him a book and then read it aloud to the king. When the king heard the contents of the book of the law, he tore his garments and issued this command to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikim son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, the scribe Shaphan, and the king's servant Asiah, go consult the Lord for me, for the people, for all Judah, about the stipulations of this book that has been found. For the anger of the Lord has been set furiously ablaze against us, because our fathers did not obey the stipulations of this book, nor fulfill our written obligations. The king then had all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem summoned together before him. The king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, priests, prophets, and all the people, small and great. He had the entire contents of the book of the covenant that had been found in the temple of the Lord read out to them. Standing by the column, the king made a covenant before the Lord that they would follow him and observe his ordinances, statutes, and decrees with their whole hearts and souls, thus reviving the terms of the covenant which were written in this book. And all the people stood as participants in the covenant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Instruct me, O Lord, in the way of your statutes, that I may exactly observe them. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Give me discernment that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Lead me in the path of your commands, for in it I delight. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Incline my heart to your decrees and not to gain. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Turn away my eyes from seeing what is vain. By your way, give me life. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your justice, give me life. Teach me the way of your decrees, O Lord. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath are ravenous wolves. By their fruits you will know them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
Just so every good tree bears good fruit, and a rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So by their fruits you will know them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, these are the readings assigned to this particular day. This particular day with these readings, also this year, falls on the feast of Saints Thomas More, patron saint of politicians, lawyers, and statesmen, and Saint John Fisher, bishop. He was Chancellor of Cambridge University and Bishop of Rochester. Thomas More was Chancellor of England, and they both served under King Henry VIII. And a dispute arose, as you will recall, regarding the king's divorce from Queen Catherine, which these men said was ecclesiastically valid in the eyes of God. You can't divorce. And uh, they made that known to the king, and he wasn't very happy about that. And the king asked them to sign the um, uh, Act of Supremacy by which Henry declared himself to be the head of the uh, Church of England. They wanted them to take the oath of, of supremacy. And they said, no, we are loyal to Rome and the head of the church that uh, was, is the successor of Peter. And you cannot just declare yourself as a layperson to be the head of the church. The king again was not happy. And these men, for their fidelity to the law of God, both in terms of marriage and in terms of church structure, were martyred. Now this happens to correspond perfectly to the reading that we heard from the second book of Kings. Let's give a little background to this reading and then connect it to this feast day and draw out some lessons for the politicians of today. There were good kings and bad kings in the history of God's people who became members of two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, you see a history of the kings, and it keeps going back and forth. This person was king of Israel, and then this person was king of Judah. Some kings were holy and led the people to observe the covenant. Others were sinful and rebelled against the covenant and even led the people into false worship. We talked about this the other day. The worship involved the killing of children, just like we do today by abortion. Sacrificing the children to demons and idols. One of those worst of the kings of Judah was Manasseh. Shed innocent blood that led to the exile eventually. This, the events here we read about today took place before that happened. This was in the 7th century before Christ. This reading occurs under uh, Josiah's reign. He was a reform king. 
Josiah led the people back to the Lord, renewed the covenant, removed the idols to the, uh, the, and the, and the uh, statues to the idols, removed them away out of the sight of the Israelites and said, we have to worship the true God. So he had, one of the things he had done was the temple had been neglected. And the book of the law, I mean, we have our sacred scriptures, all right? We read from them every day. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we believe and we pay attention to the words of the book and we maintain and we take care of our places of worship. But because the previous kings before uh, Josiah, immediately before Josiah, were leading the people in the other direction. The temple was neglected. In fact, statues of idols were put in it. And the book of the law was neglected. Well, of course, if you're not following the law, you're not going to be interested in reading the books of the law or preserving them. Now, it's understood that this book here that was discovered in the process of restoring the temple this book of the law that had been neglected, that had been misplaced apparently, and that certainly wasn't being read to the people, was the book, either the book of Deuteronomy, at least the book of Deuteronomy, or perhaps the entire books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In any case, whatever exactly it was, it was discovered, the law of the Lord, and it was read. When the king read it, he said, this is terrible. God is angry with us because we've been neglecting all these precepts of the law. Because those books tell us, one of the things Deuteronomy tells us, is choose life, obey the Lord your God that you may live. The people will prosper if they're obedient to the Lord. And so you see this act of corporate repentance. You see the king now leading the people in an act of repentance, and he has the words of this book read out loud to them. Notice the reading says he had the entire contents of the book of the covenant that had been found in the temple of the Lord read out to them. And the king made the covenant with the Lord that they would follow and obey him. Isn't it perfect that this reading this year falls on this feast of these, these, um, these politicians who were faithful disciples above all? That's the message for the politicians of today. You have a God in heaven. You are not in your position so that you can have power. You cannot lord it over the people. You do not have the power to edit or delete their human rights. Governments were instituted to protect the rights of the people. And we have those words explicitly in our founding documents. Governments are instituted to secure these rights given by the Creator, starting with life. We forget the words of the book. We have politicians, and I speak now today in our context of the United States of America, we have too many politicians who've forgotten the words of the book, and I'm not talking only about Scripture, but about our, our founding documents, the Declaration, the Constitution. 
Some think the Constitution can just be rewritten. Yes, you can amend the Constitution. But to do that, you have to use the constitutional amendment process. Not simply come up with some idea of your own or some policy that your party prefers and somehow declare that this is in the Constitution. This was an act of corporate repentance on the part of the people led by the king who was faithful to the Lord, just as Thomas Moore and John Fisher were faithful to the Lord. Even though they were in the service of uh, the king, they were faithful to the Lord first, even to the point of being willing to give their lives. And this is the proper structure of authority. The politicians of today need to follow the example of these saints and of Josiah, leading the people in observance of the covenant. Now, that's not, we're not talking about establishing a theocracy. We recognize the legitimate autonomy in the roles of the church and the state. The church doesn't deliver the mail. The church doesn't have a standing army. The church doesn't write the laws. At the same time, the, the state doesn't uh, decide what readings are going to be uh, proclaimed during the Mass or appoint your pastors or decide how many sacraments there are. There is a legitimate distinction Differences of roles, a legitimate autonomy of governance within the church and within the state. The governor does not appoint the bishops of the state, etc., etc. But to divorce the moral law of God from the laws made by the state is suicide for a nation, is suicide for a people. The reason the exiles happened for the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom is that they departed from the law of the Lord. The king read the words of the book of the law of the Lord precisely because he understood that the well-being, that the very survival of the people depended on them being faithful to the Lord. That's why the book of Deuteronomy says, choose life, because if you obey the decrees of the Lord, you live. We are in a moment now in the United States of America where... There is a certain form of corporate repentance going on. The Supreme Court is issuing some very, very important decisions in these very days. Just yesterday, a very good decision about upholding religious liberty for parents who sued the state of Maine for not providing to them in a publicly available funding mechanism for their children's schools did not provide it to them because the schools they chose were religious. And the Supreme Court said that's wrong. If you have a publicly available benefit, let it be publicly available to all whether or not they choose to practice their religion in the decision of what school to send their children to. And the court is about to rule on abortion. The most important abortion decision since Roe versus Wade, the only one since then to directly head-on address the question of whether the Constitution provides a so-called right to abortion. Remember, abortion being the same thing that led to the exile. Here, the killing of children there's a corporate repentance here 
If the court does as it seems it's going to do, because we saw the leaked opinion, that is to say we were wrong. Let's reread the words of the book. Let's reread the Constitution. There is no right to an abortion there. There is nothing there, furthermore, that says that the people cannot protect these babies in the womb. We were wrong. The king getting up and reading the stipulations of the book to the people and saying, we have departed from the words of this book, is somewhat of an analogy here to the court standing up before the people of the United States and saying, let's reread the words of our founding documents and recognize that there is no inherent right to kill children. Brothers and sisters, there's no easy way of extricating ourselves from an evil that has gone on so long. There's no easy way of corporate repentance. It involves grieving. It involves some upheaval. And we see those who refuse to repent behaving like spoiled children, even threatening and carrying out violence. But we as the people of God, as Thomas More knew, as John Fisher knew, and as the justices on the Supreme Court who are deciding the proper way in these cases also know, there is a price to fidelity. There's a price to faithfulness. It's why we're wearing red. And there is a joy and a fulfillment to faithfulness that gives us God's peace in this world that preserves the rights of the people we are entrusted with serving and that blossoms in life eternal. We pray that we may all be faithful. We pray that politicians who instead of upholding the right to life are spreading around the idea of a right to death and not just an idea but are expanding the Holocaust going on in our midst of unborn children. We pray that they may repent. We pray that they may be enlightened. We pray that they too may read the words of the book that says choose life. We pray this fervently and let's resolve that as citizens we'll give the example to those whom we elect of how we can be good citizens and good disciples of the Lord of every nation, whose name is Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.